0: Hey everyone, John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. Actually, it is a special edition, a Wimbledon preview edition. I could uh, come up with a fabricated reason for doing this, but we will speak truthfully. We are very, very busy this week. We have the premiere of Strokes of Genius. We have Carolina Panthers news. We have a travel obligation. And so we are not able to do our usual seed reports. We're going to try something different my friend Jamie Lasanti, our trusty producer here, who you have grown to know and love. We are going to go through these draws and we are going to go through these seeds and we're going to talk Wimbledon 2018. As we await the draw, I am just going to pepper you with questions, Jamie, and this is going to be our de facto preview seed report. Can you handle that?
1: Yes. You mean I am going to pepper you with questions. We are
0: going to go back and forth and use these questions as jumping off points to preview Wimbledon 2018. And I begin by asking you, Jamie. I'm going to be just like Nick Nick Terry Every time uh, a sentence gets uttered, I need to address you by name. Uh, Jamie Lasanti, I ask <laughs> you, do we get uh, strokes of genius in 2018? Do we get a Federer-Nadal final? They One thing we do know, they will be on opposite sides of the draw. Federer, the defending champion, Nadal, something decidedly other than a defending champion at Wimbledon, has not really played uh, deep into the tournament since 2011. But do we get strokes of genius part two we get uh, federer off Final.
1: Wouldn't that be something? That would be your magic if it happened. That at a combined of genius, age of 68, ten, wouldn't that be great? Ten years later, um, why not? Let's say yes.
0: You think so seriously?
1: I seriously, I don't think so. But uh, you know, jokingly with you, I think because of all of this, we've been talking so much about it. There's a lot of history here. It's a historical moment. Ten years, and I, I, I gotta it say, would be, it would be something.
0: Uh, here's a trivia question for you. Sidebar. What is the average ranking of the five players Nadal has lost to the last five times he's lost at Wimbledon? And the answer is 102.
1: (laughs) I was going to say 52.
0: Um, (laughs) Nadal is, it's mystifying. I mean, every year he played between 2006 and 2011, he got to the final and won two titles. And since 2011, he's really, really struggled on grass. So Nadal will have to do considerably better than he has I can't believe I'm saying this for the last six years. Um, Dustin Brown, Curios. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, you know, Gilles Muller was last year, Darcy. It's it's really, um, It has not necessarily been a murderer's row that he's lost to. The notion of him winning six matches and getting to the final um, in a vacuum, sure, that could happen. Guy looked amazing at the French Open, but uh, his grass results have really tailed off. So I ask you... Um, you want to just start – we'll do it up top, men's winner?
1: Sure. Let's what do you got? start with the men. Uh, start with the men. We talked about this on the podcast earlier in the week, but I don't think you can bet against Roger Federer. Similarly to not betting against Nadal on the clay, I just don't think – at this point, um, you know, he comes mm. in at number one. He hasn't played the French. Um, he did suffer a loss. But I think that's okay. I think that's going to help him, and I think he wins again.
0: I mean, realistically, it's it's nuts. He's almost 37 years old, and you want to, but you literally go down this list, and you say, well, you know, Nadal hasn't played deep in Wimbledon since 2011. Chilich finalist last year, but Federer handled him. Also did it in Australia. Why couldn't he do that? Zverev fourth seed. Here's a guy who's you know six and three for his career. At Wimbledon, never been to a Grand Slam semi. Del Potro, nice player, former Slam winner. Maybe. not on grass. Dimitrov, once a semifinalist. Do you really think Grigor Dimitrov beating Roger Federer in a Wimbledon best of five match? Team, not on grass. Kevin Anderson, there's a player to star. I think Kevin Anderson's a player to watch, just For by sure. virtue of his serve. He but starred on my, my sheet here. My, uh, oh, you got stars? I got stars. Look at uh, – but my, my, my larger point – We're getting is, deeper down this list. Yeah, I mean, list, my larger yeah. point, you sort of you – know, you you want to make this a fun conversation and disagree, and Roger's time is ending, but I don't know. You go down this list, and r- realistically, what rational I mean, who do you pick over Roger Federer? Um,
1: that's why I jokingly say to you, yes, we're going to get this rematch, because, I mean, who knows what can happen, but realistically, Nadal is not – you know, this is not the clay, wh- whether it's just – his age or his body or the time of year that it, it you know, every year Wimbledon comes after, fin- other, after the French exactly. open, you know, and, and in recent years sooner. So, uh,
0: I will, uh, we will
1: be shocked if Federer is not raising the shock. Right? I mean,
0: it would be considerable upset if Roger Federer doesn't win. Whoever. This event.
1: Yes. And whoever takes him out, I think it will end up being the story of the tournament, regardless of, of what happens just because.
0: All right. I'll give you three candidates who stands the best shot. The twelfth seed, who's also former winner multiple times, Novak Djokovic. Uh thirteen is Raunich. We have not heard much from him, but he did beat Roger. That's Federer's most recent defeat at Wimbledon. There right. was an injury involved, but you know Raunich, former Wimbledon finalist. Um, sixteen, Nick Kyrgios.
1: I think you got to go with Djokovic.
0: I would. Tend I mean, to if there is any.
1: If there's any win that's going to really set him off on that road back to recovery and, and kind of getting back to the top of the game, it's got to be a win over Federer at Wimbledon. I mean, I, yeah. I, I said this the other day, I don't think it's going to be one win and he's back, but that will kind of be jumping. That would be one jumping win. Jumping ahead.
0: He'd be back. <laughs> um, this Djokovic story I maintain is one of the stranger tennis stories I've encountered in a, a long time. I mean, two years ago if we were having this conversation we would say 40 60 45 55 this guy could win the grand slam the french open was going to be the tough one he won that one he was going to wimbledon
1: untouchable
0: untouchable defending champion the hard court record spoke for itself loses to sam query at wimbledon just two years ago and uh has really been a, a shadow of that player ever since um he,
1: his game just amazed me then it was just so it was almost like he everything was very technical and he just felt like a machine almost like there was just and then all of a sudden mm. it was like you know there was there was an error and like something caught up in the machine the, the gears locked up and it was sam no, you're query right. of That's, all people uh... who who kind of took him out of that and it was it was incredible. I mean, I, I definitely remember that match and remember just being like, holy crap.
0: But if I said two years later, we would not see that he would have, you know, zero Grand Slams won since then, only one final reached and lost that, 2016 U.S. Open, and has just not been the force, anything close to it that he was. I mean, there there was a time earlier in the spring where if he did not put together some clay results he may have been out of the top thirty-two seeds heading into the right. French Open. That's obviously not the case, and I think it's it's good for tennis, good for him. I mean, it's ha- happily number twelve. He's made some, you know, he's made some strides these past few months. But um, it's I, I can't recall a champion in the prime of his career just dropping like this. Um, all right, real quick, any you look at uh, players one to thirty-two. Any other uh, any, anything else catch your eye?
1: I did star, Ronich. I think, as you said, he you know he has a good history at Wimbledon. He was, it seemed like he was almost ready for that breakthrough. Break, breakthrough. He was that person who had not, or it still is that kind of that one player who has not won a Slam, and he had McEnroe on his team. You know, at that right, time, right, right. and so he was. You really felt like, oh, maybe it's in in the cards for him. Kind of the magic was there, and then just the injuries with him is what really
0: which has been a career career moment. Yeah, long it's issue. it's
1: it's he's such a nice guy and he really um you know he's very passionate and you can see that and so it sucks that he has kind of hit the wall every time he's gotten up to the top. So
0: We don't need that kind of language on this podcast, Jamie. Um let me throw this at you. Trivia. I'm putting you on the spot. Who was the last player under the age of 30 to win a major?
1: Can I use the Google machine?
0: Uh I'll tell you. No. Andy know. Murray Wimbledon two years ago, and he was 29. Do you think, uh, if you're laying odds, what are the chances we have a our first 20-something? that's crazy. Our first 20-something in uh, two years. What are the odds of a player under the age of 30 winning this tournament?
1: Ugh, I'm looking at the Pick
0: one. Who do you like best?
1: I don't know. That's tough. How, how old is Dimitrov?
0: <laughs> Dimitrov would qualify. Okay.
1: So I'm I mean, thinking the, like my, babies. My, my, lar-
0: my larger point is... Djokovic, Murray, the big five. I mean, it's the the age of the field is really something. And you go down this list and
1: take another thirty of, something. What did you think of uh, Korich's win over Federer? Yeah, I th- I
0: think best of best five. of three is a lot different from best of five. Um, you know, George is a player who everyone's been watching for several years now, and right. and still, I mean, he's he's got plenty of time. It was a little bit of a, what have you done for me late? You know, we are getting a little restless. Right. We keep hearing about potential, and he's put on bulk, which he has, but the results have never quite kept up with uh, the potential. So it was nice to see. You know, he comes in. 17th seed is uh, nothing to sneeze at. That benefits from the Wimbledon formula and the recent success on grass. Uh, right. Sam Querrey at number 11 has had great success uh, at Wimbledon the last two years, taking out Djokovic, and then last year, um, reaching the semis. He's
1: injured, probably injured Andy
0: Murray. He's your best American I was shot, say, you think?
1: He's probably the best American looking at the list, <clears throat> I would Nin-
0: say. 19 Jack Sock has had a very, very rough go of things Oof. in uh, 2018. Very this much. would be a nice time to start his year. Um, before <laughs> we go to the women, anything else uh, jump out at you?
1: I don't Andy think Andy so. Murray not
0: seated. Yeah, Andy Kyle Murray's Edmund. the one
1: kind of missing from our, our seating list. Uh, I don't think. I'm with you. Yeah. I, w- I worry about him. Um, you know, it's great to see him back. I enjoyed the the curious comment that uh, you know do you so still so remember how to do this thing. I'm I'm, I'm all for some some fun jokes about that. But uh, it's nice to see him back. But I think he lost a Kyle Edmund.
0: I think that, I think that was over This is a guy coming off of a fairly significant, a very significant injury. 11
1: months. Yearly, basically, he was out for a year. Yeah,
0: I mean, exactly. And really, I mean, we're talking about a player who hasn't been himself in 18 months. Correct. I think this notion of, like, a torch being passed and uh, the day in British tennis history, I think might might be a little overstated. That
1: was an unfortunate match for him to face at such an early stage of his comeback from the injury. What worries me about the injury and about about Murray's just general way of playing is that he always looked like he was sort of laboring along in a match um and the hips are just so important you know in any sport but in tennis especially so hips
0: don't lie Jamie Lasanti They do
1: not so I I worry about um I worry about how he will hold up and sort of especially in a, in a best of 5 like he's this is a this is a big one for him to to come back to so there's going to be a lot of A lot of pressure, I think, for many, many areas for him.
0: Let me tell you two things really quickly. When Roger Federer plays his first match, you know what's going to happen? What? If I'm not mistaken, I I will look this up on the Google machine, but I believe that when Roger Federer plays his first match, he will... uh, Now have more matches played at Wimbledon than anyone else, overtaking Jimmy Connors. Can we confirm that? Um, I will also tell you that Feliciano Lopez probably deserves a tip of the cap. This is Grand Slam number 66 in a row for Feliciano Lopez. That's one more than Federer, who had 65, and then, strangely enough, uh, did not play Roland Garros. Is that right? And basically sort of—I'm trying to think if that was uh, voluntary or not. But uh, anyway, Feliciano Lopez— been a rough year but this is a guy who can actually play quite well on grass the rare spaniard probably better on grass than he is on clay and this will be grand slam number 66 in a row that's right is up there with impressive. the best of them
1: at 36 years old yeah
0: 30, uh okay let's go real quick to um my little lady side and i ask you jamie lasanti what are the odds that we have a first-time winner
1: hmm.
0: that would mean simona Hollop who could piggyback and do the, the channel double Wait, after a first French time. open title at Wimbledon, at Wimbledon. Okay. I was going to
1: say first time major um, winner or first time, first time major winner
0: would be tough, but, uh, uh I mean, yeah. you go, go down the list here. I mean, that's, uh, no,
1: you've got how at one.
0: What was the Akia
1: is is the
0: defending champion Sloan Stevens, um, would be four. Svitolina, Carolyn Garcia, Plushkova. I mean, basically you're talking about, uh, seven out of the top 10 seated women. So, uh, in that sense, the odds are with you. Um, First time winner at Wimbledon, Jamie Lasanti, what do you think?
1: I say it could happen for sure. I think we talked about this. Uh, I know your pick is Halep. I think it's still Hallep. Uh, and I said to you that I don't think she can't do it. Not that I don't believe in her game. I think, you know, she's world number one. Um, she just won the last major. She's coming off this hot streak. So uh, it's probably a bit foolish to bet against her, but I just think that the weight of the occasion from finally winning her first Grand Slam is just going to be a little bit too much. If I was her, I would be melting into every chair I sit in because I just would be so happy that that was finally... Yeah, melting in a good way. All right. Yes, no, in a good way, because I just would I, I just saw so much relaxation after she won in her face, and right. I just think that um, sometimes when you get a little... When you get the, all that relief, um, it's hard to really get back to the grindstone. Right. So.
0: No, Federer... F- Federer said this in Strokes of Genius, if I may plug. Uh, he had a great line where he said, listen, winning the first one was the hardest one. There was all this expectation. When is this guy going to break through? Does he really have it in him to win seven matches? Hey, once I won that first one, Wimbledon 2003, after that, then I, I knew I had it in me, and then then we were off to the races. Um, I kind of feel that way about Holop. Uh, Garbina Muguruza is the defending champion. She um, tends to... Uh, wax a little erratic, a bit bit of up and down results. Um, We think it up, we're thinking down.
1: It's tough to say. Honestly, I think she she has had a little bit of injury here and there, so I think her health is probably the most important. Her health and her mindset. I think if she comes into this and she feels a lot of pressure and she's – much in the spotlight as a defending champion and that starts to bug her a little bit it's gonna get to her and you're gonna see it when she when she steps on the court there is
0: there is precedent there
1: right and so if but if she's able to fly under the radar a little bit which she may um, maybe you know Hallop will kind of gather some of the spotlight but um if she's able to fly under the radar a little bit more and just kind of play her game and and quietly make her way into the second week she has a much better chance but
0: Fly under the radar and play her game. You sound like Brad Gilbert. Uh, Just give her a nickname. I'm just kidding. But um, no, I I just, I mean, she, to me, is just an absolutely mystifying player. Because when she's on, she looks like Hall of Fame caliber. She can play on any surface. She's a terrific athlete. She's young. And then there are other times where you wonder, does this person even want to be on the court? Um, I just think
1: she gets very flustered very easily in the midst of a match. And that's where, you know, her mindset comes into play. No, Um, you're
0: you're absolutely right.
1: But she's also proven, I mean, this is is the kind of flip side, is that she's also proven to dig herself out of those situations. Um, You know, she did it against Serena, and she, you know, came back. So I think it'll be interesting.
0: Missed player. Can we point out seeds one to four? Holop, Wozniacki, Mugu, Sloane-Stevens. What do each of them have in common? They all currently hold a major, and only one. I can't remember that happening, uh... Were the four top seeds were also the four reigning major winners. Uh, Venus Williams at number nine got to the finals last year. We all uh, have great admiration for what Venus Williams is doing at an age uh, older than her younger sister, as tends to be the case with older sisters. Uh, older than Roger Federer, is she a contender?
1: I want her to be. I, I worry um i feel like she has she's she has surged in the past two years i mean we couldn't stop she just kept getting better ending her year with a higher ranking and doing all these things and this year i fell feel like she's fallen a little bit um yeah, but she is very comfortable on the grass she is you know she she has a really great recent history here as well as if you go back to her her titles she has five right five, five uh, Wimbledon. Five, yeah five and t- yeah. five and two so i mean you can't you can't count out five-time Wimbledon champion, right. uh, especially with how wide open the draw is.
0: I think the, the strange thing about Venus is that when she has lost at events, a lot of times it is not because of durability issues or her body's given out on her. We all know about the, the autoimmune disorder that um, interrupted her career. That's not tending to be the case. I mean, she's just had trouble, honestly, keeping the ball on the court, uh, whether that was last year at the U.S. Open or even in the finals last year. It wasn't because her body gave out on her that she lost in the finals last year. It just was sort of a a strangely vacant, error-filled performance. Uh, Madison Keys at number 10. I was at an event last night, and uh, it was suggested to me that it's Madison Keys time, and she's gotten close at the U.S. Open, close at the French Open, and now it's time for the breakthrough. What do you Um, think? I am not totally there. It would not astonish me, but it would surprise me. And she's now with um, with a new coach, David Taylor. She and Lindsay are still close confidants and friends, but um, that coaching relationship is is no longer. I'm not sure she goes right from uh, a very comfortable relationship with Lindsay and is is suddenly winning seven matches. But boy, with her that serve forehand combo, the athleticism, the movement. I mean, she. I I do think this notion that her winning a major is is when and not if. Um that I'm buying, but I am not quite sure It's Wimbledon. She's ready for it out at Wimbledon.
1: What about uh what about the next on the list? Eleven, Angelique Kerber. I wanted to ask you about her.
0: Very nice year, and I think people forget uh how well
1: a finalist she in has acquitted herself,
0: exactly, and played a very nice match against Serena was, was right there. Um I don't knew you wish you wish there were more weapons. You will For her whole career, we've always wished the second serve wasn't that vulnerable. On the other hand, she knows how to win. She's been doing it this year. Um, I mean, again, we've been saying this for months and months now, Jamie, that the men's draw is basically Federer Nadal, and if it's someone else, that's great, and where's Novak Djokovic? And the women's draw, you could pick 20 names here. If you told me Naomi Osaka comes and brings that powerful game that she brought to Baird Indian Wells and reels off seven matches, you'd say, eh. Ash Barty, great athlete, making a come. Coco Vandeweghe, big booming serve, can play on grass. I mean, you literally go down this list. Um, and then as we keep going down this list, we get to 24. the 24-25 <laughs> zone. Um,
1: Whoa, look at those Yeah, eggs.
0: exactly. <laughs> and uh, as tennis being a sport that has a pathological addiction to irony, <laughs> Sharapova and Williams. These are about the only time they'll ever be back to back. Sharapova 24, Williams at 25. Jamie Lasanti, you're on the clock. Go monologue.
1: Oh, boy. I said this. I will always say this. It does not matter what number is next to you, Williams, comma, Serena on the draw sheet. Um, no matter who she's playing against, I think the name Serena Williams still looms for that opponent across the net. Um, they still think of her as the number one player. I still think – I mean, we saw it, as you said, happen before our eyes in Paris. Uh, I don't think – if she's healthy, um, you wonder about that pictorial injury, but I think that might have been – Um, more of like an overuse injury than sort of a a really something that's gonna really bother her so I think she's smart enough to have done the kind of recovery and rehab that she needed and kind of understands that she can't go zero to 60 at at Wimbledon and she won't be playing doubles so I uh I think Serena will will do well I'm what does that mean I'm not not, define your terms define
0: your terms what does well mean
1: we don't have a draw yet can she win Course, she can win. Will she win? I say quarters.
0: All right. Um, that's you? one of the no, I it's funny because you say quarters, and from a distance, you say she's almost 37 years old, she's now a mother, difficult childbirth, hasn't played much this year. Yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, she's she's building back. I suspect if she lost in the quarters, she would be very unhappy with this. I don't do not think she's uh entering this event with the ambitions of making the last eight, but uh. I think I think quarter sales reasonable. I, I I gotta say I um,
1: I think a dr- I am, her draw will have a a play on that though. I think right. Um, we're
0: doing we should we should say this. That, that's that's I'm glad you brought that up. we were doing this in advance of the draw, um. And I I think you're right. I think her draw will be significant too. Uh, what about 24th ranked former champion Maria Sharapova? Oh Jamie, that's theatrical sigh. We're what are you thinking here?
1: I think that Maria has had a really up and down year and I don't know if she can kind of find her feet again at Wimbledon. I think we, I think we'll see her end the year on a high note, but I think this might end up being kind of not so great point in her summer. Um, what about you?
0: Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I've i been lightly anyway, this is a, a, a think piece I have half baked, but I... I see her twinned with Djokovic, and there have been these sort of surges, and there have been these grounds for optimism, and then there have also been these setbacks. So Sharapova strings together some matches in Rome, and she strings some matches together at the French Open. She's got this showdown against Serena Williams. This is really going to see where she is. Is this the opportunity where she gets to play Serena Williams back from her maternity leave, and then the match doesn't materialize? So Sharapova gets past Serena Williams, career-long nemesis, and she's in week two and things are looking up and she could even win this thing. And then she barely shows up against Muguruza and is completely outclassed. I mean, it looked like mm-hmm. uh, two players of different, of different levels. So I think Sharapova has some sources of optimism. I think she also has some moments that will perhaps lodge in the uh, attic of her consciousness as... Uh, as uh, some as uh, some doubt, i think Djokovic same way. But sorry, go ahead. No,
1: no, she also withdrew from from Birmingham, so she's not playing any lead ups. Yeah, I I know. I mean, so I don't um, know. It's always to, hard to right. I mean, this the time in between is so short. So some players really want the the play on the grass. Other players prefer to just you know rest up and kind of just get ready because they they know they can go out there and and play. You know, she right. had a long clay court season. She did play a lot on clay, but. Um, I don't know. Some Part of that makes me think that maybe she's not... I think she played a long clay court season because she really thought that she could do well at the French and, and go far. Yeah, I agree. The same way and, other
0: players... That's a good point. And, and so yeah, I think good.
1: that if she... Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think that if she really thought she could go really far at Wimbledon, that she would have played um, just to get kind of herself ready to play on grass. And so... Um, I I think
0: grass is. I mean, I think that's a good point, and I think you're absolutely right that share the same way Federer builds his season to peak at Wimbledon, Sharapova to peak at the clay. Which ironically, now you never would have said this when she started her career, but this has suddenly become uh, a surface that this is the only major she's won more than once. Grass is always tricky. A, it's a fluky surface to begin with. B, the time in between the, the French timing, and Wimbledon yeah. is only three weeks. Their other thing too is that there isn't that big. Masters 1000-level tournament, so you right. don't really feel like anything is essential. You're tired after clay. Again, I think some of it, I mean, Serena years ago gave up playing tune-ups. Nadal, I mean, I, I think Federer obviously has financial relationships that, uh, and it hasn't played the clay season, so needs to get back into it. But this clay run-up is such a fluky, strange time of year. You're never also sure which of these injuries, you know, Patrick Federer pulls out of Eastbourne, is that... Right a real hamstring cause for concern injury or is this eh, a little tweak and I'm going to give it some extra time before Wimbledon. So it, it's always very hard to sort of predict uh form coming in, but um, we, which also, I mean, the irony is that this is for the men anyway, the only, the only major that uses performance on that surface as a seating requirement. And yet the performances can be so fluky. Um, but back to, back to Sharapova. I just, I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of selling my Sharapova. I got to admit, I'm just. I feel like she.
1: You never sell and buy she sell. She had well.
0: her. Uh, <laughs> she had her, her year off. She had her her rumspringa, as it were. Um, she had her suspension. I think she, in her mind, was thinking, "I'm so pissed off, and I'm going to be fresh. And this is a blessing in disguise. And as soon as this suspension lapses, remember, she came back even technically before the suspension even lapsed." And I thought she had in her head that she was going to just start winning all these majors wholesale. And she was practicing so much. Remember, she was Instagramming and putting Snapchat videos of her practices. And then she tasted defeat. And we just haven't seen that same player.
1: She also ran into a few injuries and I, yeah, exactly. had, had a
0: couple of injuries which I think that might have you. been,
1: yeah exactly that's the word i was going to say is that i think that that could have been the thing that really kicked her off the check i mean defeats she's had them before right she's she's faced that right. but i think when you come back and it's such a after such a long time and you're really anticipating that moment and then all right it's one thing to lose but it's another thing to literally to physically be incapable of playing right. and and training as you were and really like i think that's more defeating than an actual loss um so i could see how how you can have that i'm
0: the coaching really change,
1: surprised the... that you're she's she's fellow. north
0: she's north of age 30 i mean we're talking i mean i don't think she's incapable of no, playing tennis of but 30. well that is uh that is a question um but no she's a there's a coaching change in there She's not looked oh, like another, yeah. she's not looked like a Grand Slam champion since she's come back, and we're already more than a year. I also think, you know, we talked about this. I think I think with Renee Stubbs was on, I still think, and we saw this with the Serena's seating discussion that coming back from a doping suspension that plays much differently than coming back from injury or coming back from motherhood or coming back from a self-imposed break. And I think there's a a mental dimension to that that we we sometimes overlook. All right, oh, I'll ask you about the men. And ages, I'll ask you the same question with women in ages. What are the odds, Jamie Lasanti, that we get a female champion under the age of 25?
1: Under the age of 25? I don't, I feel like there's would, a lot of like 25, 26ers, ish, yeah. 27ers looking, in this. I would have to like.
0: Sloane Stevens, 25, so we don't count her. Um, you know that that could be our defending champion. That could be Madison Keys, Ostapenko,
1: Kazakina,
0: Gosaka in there. Exactly. Uh, um
1: How's how old is Alina Svitolina? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Yeah, she's intriguing to me. I always I, I, I hear your thoughts on her because I read a, I read something earlier today that this is her first summer, her first time playing in London, playing at Wimbledon. Since moving to London, since kind of moving right, her home her base there, there. right? Um, so she feels really comfortable there, which I found really interesting. She seems like a player who um, is very streaky. We've seen that, and she sort of is on that. She's she's put herself in the position being top five and kind of on the list of players who not win a slam, never to win a slam. Yeah. Yep. So I, I'm curious your thoughts. I know you you have some I th- opinions. I, I mean, I think I think
0: it's one thing to say you're the best player never to have won a major. That's annoying. But imagine how much more annoying it would be to be the best player who hasn't really made a mark at a major. I mean, plishkova has been to a final. We go, go down, the you know, Carolyn Wozniacki six months ago may have worn that mantle, but she could say, listen, at least I've gotten to a couple finals. I was young the first time. I lost to Serena. Um, you Is You know, that- had her sniffs. I mean, Svitolina has really had, I mean, her record at majors versus her record at run-of-the-mill tour events looks like two completely composite, two different players. Uh, I think that's a lot of pressure, and with every sort of early entrance and every, well, her ranking is X, but her track record is Y, I think that's something that really eats at you as a player, more than, I won six matches, I didn't win seven.
1: Is that comparable at all to, like, a Asas- Arab, as- yes. Yeah. They're
0: often bracketed together, and I think, no, I think both of them, you know, he, he has a lot to prove as well. I mean, uh quarterfinal performance at the French Open but really had played too much tennis by the time he finally played team in the quarters and again um, it's great that you're winning matches and tournaments in February March and April but you kind of have to break through at one of these these big boys um all right this podcast I'm looking at the clock Jamie see you talk tennis and <laughs> uh time flies this is why we love the sport uh, all right real quick um who are you picking for the women
1: i know i was supposed to get back to you on you this. never got back to me i'm gonna pick garbinia
0: oh a defending champion serena williams we didn't talk about this seating discussion which i think at some level is much ado about nothing um i would point out she's on a 14 match win streak at the uh all england club having won in 15 and 16 and not played In 17, I don't quite get the—I don't know who, other than the 32nd seed, who would object to seeding Serena Williams. It seems like if seedings are supposed to predict performance, she deserves it. If seedings are supposed to reward performance on a surface, she deserves it. If seedings are supposed to protect other players from playing better players, I I just don't quite get why this is the issue.
1: Do you think the number is is the issue, or what do you—
0: No, I mean, I think it's this—
1: like, would you have put her anywhere else?
0: I I would have put her in 12 to 16, so she didn't have to play a top 16 seed until the fourth round instead of the third. But I I have no great objection to 25th. I just I'm not quite sure. Uh, other than the 32nd seed, why people would be opposed to this? Um, and I also don't know why the players wouldn't. Part of it is just from a PR optics standpoint, but part of it is sort of from a fundamental fairness. Uh, we should differentiate between. Pregnancy and Maria Sharapova's doping suspension. Um, But anyway, Serena comes in at 25. Uh, We saw this at the French Open, too. It was a lot of chatter in the days beforehand. Tournament started. Issues sort of went away. I suspect that'll happen here. Um, All right. let's. um, This was a long podcast, Jamie. This, again, this was supposed to be in lieu of seed reports. Um, We're both picking Federer. I don't, you know, again, it's perhaps not the most inspired pick, but I don't know how you... um, Incredibly find an alternative on the women's side. I'm picking Holop now that she uh, is pumped up with uh, confidence and self-belief. Jamie's going back-to-back with uh, Mugurusa. And if people want uh, to follow us, we will do a podcast uh, mid-tournament. Can we go on record as saying that? Sure. All right. There we have it. Put you on the spot. We'll have a couple of other seed reports once the draw comes out. We will uh, look at some of the more enticing matchups. We will pick... uh, a doubles champion, haven't given that a great deal of thought, but uh, both Team Boosie, uh, Bethany Maddox-Sands and Lucy Safarova, and the Russians, Alina Veznina and uh, Katarina Makarova, are back. Uh, neither of those two teams played the French Open. Uh, on, the women's side, on the men's side, um, we'll talk doubles as well. As always, thank you for listening. This is a special edition Wimbledon Preview podcast. Jamie, take us out by telling us uh, what people ought to do next.
1: They should go on iTunes and subscribe, leave a review, and uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you like and what you don't like.
0: Fair enough. Uh, all right. Enjoy the first week of Wimbledon, everyone. I'm John Wertheim. She's?
1: Jamie Lissanti. <laughs> like how
0: I teed you up there? Uh, Jamie is our trusty producer, and um, we are happily exceeding to the request to uh, include Jamie more, because she's great. Uh, all right. Enjoy the first week of everyone, and we will uh, do this again in a few weeks.